Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast, episode 17. I'm Mike Guy. And I'm Mike Wu, who's sitting closer to his microphone. There you go. So I, we, we looked up the episode number before we started this time. So I can confidently say episode 17. So not quite the worst podcast ever yet. Uh, so we're, we're getting better. It's all about so, learning day by day. I know, I know. And uh, so how you doing, Mike? I'm doing all right. I am currently shuffling myself between uh, two cities, uh, between Bremerton and Seattle, trying to figure out uh, this living situation and how I'm going to develop titles while I'm in one or the other. And uh, so just trying to figure all that stuff out. Meanwhile, so you're staying in issues. a couple places? Yeah. Well, we have a condo that I'm trying to fix up. Um, it's got some, a bad shower and all that kind of stuff. So we don't actually live there. I just go visit it and pretend like we're going to live in it one day and then <laughs> have this uh, place that we're renting right now uh, across the water. So it's kind of a trek, but uh, I think a lot of developers and uh, gamers know that kind of like transitional feeling. So maybe they sure. can sympathize. And it's not like the Seattle area has a lot of traffic. So <laughs> uh, it's probably pretty it's easy. Ridiculous. <laughs> right. Uh, people don't know this. I tried to uh, hook up with you um, a few weeks ago, and it took me like four hours just to get to your general vicinity. And by but then by then something had come up for you, and it wasn't going to work out. Yeah, anyway, that so. yeah, that's insane because it's not even that far. No, it's absolutely insane. As a crow flies, I think it was less than twenty miles. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous for something that takes like three and a half four hours, but. Uh, what are you going to do? Yep. So, uh, you know, before we start, so I know we have our, our kind of topics laid out here, but I, I do want to kind of take a step back because I know we had talked a lot about uh, the last episode about Pokemon Go and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, having a month of continuing to play, you know, it's interesting uh, because and one of the things I just wanted to clarify or, or at least talk about quickly is that, you know, I talked about how there was all this cynicism in the media about it and things like that. And, you know, it's ironic that night. Yeah, I think it was that night or like the night right after that. I was at a local park playing Pokemon Go at night. It was like 1030 at night. It was dark. And uh, there were a whole lot of people there. Uh, you know, parents and their kids were all running around. People like ordered pizza and had music going and stuff. It was like classic block party, whatever. But there was a, a girl who was about maybe 15 years old. And she approached me and she said, hey, I'm walking over to this other Pokestop. Do you want to come with? And I immediately thought, oh, no. <laughs> No, I do not. Yeah. Uh, very much do not. And uh, and I'm going to go find your mom, and I'm going to talk to her real quick. Because <laughs> I'm like, look, I don't mean to be that guy. But I just want you to know, like, you know, she had the, these great intentions, I'm sure. She was just being friendly and inviting people. But she doesn't know me. You don't know me. I'm not going to walk off in the dark with your daughter. Um, you might want to be aware of, you know, that she's asking strangers to – <laughs> just to, to come hang out in the middle of the night. So, um, so yeah, okay. So at that point, I was like, all right, maybe I was a little too fast to be like, no, this is perfect. I mean, still, you know, I still play it. It's still a lot of fun, and I, I think it's overall a good thing. But, but yeah, maybe I was a little too close-minded about, uh, no, all cynicism is bad because, yeah, there are certainly dangerous situations there. Yeah, and, the, you know, the cynicism I saw after our podcast was um, – the form in the form of uh, people saying, you know, adults shouldn't be playing this game. Get a life, and uh, hmm, it was right. funny. Um, my wife and I went uh, on a short trip, and we were in the airport, and uh, she was constantly looking to charge her phone because of Pokemon Go is such a battery hog, and so there she is by this outlet uh, playing the game. She's battling it out apparently, and there are three other people also battling her. But they're all under the age of 10. <laughs> so there's my <laughs> wife and three kids all around this one electrical outlet trying to uh, play Pokemon. So I just thought, like, you know, it is funny. Like, they're, the complaint is, like, full-grown adults, uh, even physicians. It is kind of more like, of an adult-oriented <laughs> game, though, because what kid is grabbing a mobile device and then going off on their, you know, on yeah. their own? But. I don't. I don't mean to make this a whole Pokemon Go episode, <laughs> but I just wanted to, to 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 come back and be like, all right, maybe I was a little <laughs> too too much drinking the Kool Aid last time, yeah. but uh, I still play it. Uh, level twenty four now, uh, so pretty happy with that. When I went out to LA, I got like twenty one new Pokemon, so it was you, a good trip. You know what I wonder now? Um, hmm. How much more slowly people are driving, and how often are are they making extra stops? Because we find ourselves pulling over 
to mm-hmm. like to hit a pokey stop or like turning around sometimes it's ridiculous so it should So happen. do you think like, Pokemon Go is going to have an overall impact on the like the oil market <laughs> yes as I barrels think so. of oil become yes. more expensive cuz yes. gasoline is being used because more because we're using more of it and uh, but you know for sure um we know more about our local environment little things that we wouldn't have noticed on our trip or mm-hmm. even in our own neighborhood uh kind of stand out now because they're you know, landmarks within the game. So I think yeah, that was so you, a really interesting, uh, like that it affects me. I'm not playing the game. I'm playing something else on my phone. So, um, that so you're I'm not now, getting all that history and culture, but I am because <laughs> my wife, my partner <laughs> through proximity, is, yeah, is saying, Oh, slow down. Oh, look at this and check this out. Or, or, Hey, let's turn around, you know, real quick, you know, or let's take, let's detour <laughs> ourselves a little bit. Not no, always in a car. Sometimes we're just walking. And so it's like, okay, we'll walk over there. Like, Oh wow. I never noticed this. That's kind of cool I, that there's oh. this statue here. So I played a game the other day that made me think of your wife. <laughs> uh, it was an Oculus Rift game called climb. And uh, it's oh, all about yes. climbing and bouldering in uh-huh. VR. Yep. And since, you know, your wife was talking about that uh, last time we spoke, uh, it made me think of her because I was like, I wonder, I mean, obviously it, it doesn't relate to the real thing, you know, cause, but, but still I'm like, this is still kind of neat, you know, just the mental challenge of trying to figure out where to go to climb and stuff like that. Now, granted, the game right now uses the controller, which really lacks, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're talking about climbing controls. But, you know, I have the Oculus Touch, and I'm just waiting for the game to be converted to Oculus Touch, which is in the process of doing. Um, Because I think once you have the hand controllers, that game is really going to, you know, it's really going to help you get the feel of it a lot more. It'll definitely... um have opportunities to do the upper body part of climbing but from what and i don't climb um Mm -hmm. but i've gone on enough climbing trips with my wife and watched her and her friends climb to know that like so much of that sport is lower body and your leg is doing really weird things with your legs and your feet and so that i think uh for like a full body i was also thinking you know because my sport's swimming i was like Mm -hmm. how would i simulate something like you know the the very almost um meditative act of swimming really well how do you do that in virtual reality um and how would you do like the full sport of well i guess any sport really but like especially something like rock climbing where we think about oh yeah in terms of our hands we can simulate that to some degree but what about you know our legs well it'll are... be like how rock band or guitar hero made me feel like a guitarist it's <laughs> right. not really yes. the same thing right. but right. at least it gives us the the feelings yeah. of it, even yeah. if it's not completely accurate. Yeah. I, think I it, like that you said uh, the meditative experience of swimming. See, uh-huh. my game would be more of a fear-inducing panic, <laughs> uh, going to be drowned by a serial killer. Um, that would be my experience okay. of a swimming game. See, that wouldn't happen for me unless there was like a shark in the water, and then then everything would uh, change very quickly. Shark, seaweed, <laughs> loose sand. Yeah, that's right. I'm like the uh, I'm like Bruce Willis uh, in Unbreakable. Uh, waters Waters was gonna get me. I see. No wonder why you you insist on staying out in Ohio. Uh, do we have a lot of water in Ohio? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. You have yeah. to go up go up to the lake. Oh, I don't go get, up to the lake. Yeah, see, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you're, see, a corn, you're a cornfield kind of guy. I I do I like corn. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. So let's get to our actual uh-huh. topics. <laughs> now that that's been weird enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's just cut that out. <laughs> yeah. No. No. We'll, we'll we'll keep it. It'll be fun. Um, so you know, most of the topics on here were kind of your ideas. So I'll I'll let you sort of introduce. Okay. So I'm probably not going to represent it as well as I did in that message that I sent you. But um, rather than talk about the latest in greatest news that came out of the industry i'd like to do something that's like a non-topical something that's just interesting to i think a lot of people myself especially as i'm trying to think about the next project that i'm going to work on which is um what is the nature of time in video games like i come from it from an artist and designer and player Mm -hmm. perspective it's only now that i've been dabbling in scripting for the last uh, year and a half that i've come to realize holy crap the way you engineer games and think about time is very different than the Mm -hmm. way you experience it as a player. And especially with new technologies like AR and VR, I'm becoming more curious about like, wow, we really have to be conscious about the way we design time Mm -hmm. in our games so that they work uh, for for the player. So um, I mentioned things like um, 
like time compression, uh, you know, I'm used to playing RTSs, but like, okay, what does the RT, the real time in RTS really mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, is it just that the player ex- is a, uh, able to input actions continuously in quote unquote real time? But does that also apply to what the game is doing? I think not. If you really think about it, uh, you can change the time that the game is perceiving. Uh, mm-hmm. Like in StarCraft, we also talk about game time or game clock. The seconds in StarCraft aren't real seconds. They're kind of like seconds, but if you actually timed out 10 minutes in a StarCraft match versus what your clock is saying, I think StarCraft is generally much faster. Faster, yeah. Because we always bump up the game speed faster. It's not that the units are moving at a higher velocity. It's that time is going by more quickly. Um to create that perception of a more quickly moving game. So it's it's an interesting topic, really, because yeah. time isn't a real thing, first off. I mean, realistically speaking, even now, time isn't a thing. You know, it's a construct that we've built to explain ourselves in 4D space, but it's not th- real. Um, I guess I, you could argue that it is real and that we know the pulsing of electrons around a, a proton in a hydrogen atom, but uh, <laughs> which is where we get atomic clocks from. But uh, but but really, it's it's not a real thing. So when it comes to time and entertainment and games, there are a lot of ways we can look at it. So as you were kind of denoting, there's there's mechanical time. Right, which is basically measured in the clock cycles of a CPU. Uh, there's, you know, there's there's game time in that. You know, what's our representation of those clock cycles? How many of those clock cycles equals one second, or or, or what are we using to let's, do the counting? Let's pause right there. What sure. is a clock cycle? Is that uh, like when I read my CPU has so many? Megahertz. That's yeah. So you know, I'm going to butcher this. So okay. anyone who's listening, that's a uh, an actual engineer, mm-hmm. uh, can feel free to correct me. Uh, but uh, so you know how like uh, the old timey Viking boats, everyone's rowing and one person's beating the uh, the drum mm-hmm. to give everyone a time. Every beat of that drum is one clock cycle, and so they perform an instruction row on time. Okay. And so each clock cycle is each moment a CPU has to perform an instruction. Uh, and so, you know, that that pacing, right, that is your instruction time, it's your clock cycle. So, um, and that's how computers more or less tell granular amounts of time by just the clock, clock cycles. They know how fast the CPU is, is clocking, and so they can calculate time. Um, and I believe those are accurate to the picosecond. Um, I believe. Uh, but again, anyone's an engineer listening can be like, this guy has no idea what he's talking <laughs> about. But this is this is what I, I think I know, which is probably not correct. Um, and so, you know, then we have game time. But but then we start to get into interesting things because we have like we have render time and then we have update time. We have unscaled time. We have physics time. And then those are all like the mechanical things behind the scenes of a game. But we also have narrative time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, level pacing, gray boxing. There is, uh, you know, there, there's timing of actions, timing of interest. There is audio timing. There is, you know, latency measurements. Mm-hmm. Um, how long between I, I when I press a button and when something happens. What, what's interesting is you talk about the real time strategy, and I believe the term real time is used in conjunction with strategy simply to denote that it's not turn based. Mm-hmm. But as you noted. It is definitely not real time for two reasons. One, because I can play the game faster or slower. And two, when I tell a unit to do something, it doesn't do it right then and there, right? Mm-hmm. It right. does it when it does it, right? So that's, I give a command, but it's not, but then it goes and does its thing in its own time. And so it's not like, it's not this one to one parody, right? And so what I'm dealing with is I'm dealing with narrative time at that point where I told it to do this and I'm going to watch it do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the narrative pacing of the game. And, uh, and so time is an interesting thing. Mostly, you know, I can speak a little bit to the designing of it and a little bit to the mechanics of it because I do a little bit of both. But, uh, but there are a lot of opinions on how you can do it. There's a lot of opinions on how to optimize it and, and what it all even really means. Um, Tom Long, which I, I did, you have a chance to meet Tom? No, I don't think so. We were going to be on that panel together. Oh, okay. Uh, but it, it didn't end up getting accepted. Right. But so he was one of the, the speakers on that panel, and, okay. and he was he's uh, I believe like an award winning uh, level designer. And uh, one of the things he told me once was that you know 
for level design timing, something interesting has to happen every five seconds or every 10 seconds, you know? And so there's that sort of timing as well, almost a rhythmic timing to level design. And uh, so, yeah, time is an interesting concept when it comes to games. Yeah. It, it, it fascinated me um, very early on when I first started playing games and I felt this strange sense of power over this incredible machine when I was playing the old school style of graphic adventure games. Mm-hmm. And I realized um, I can just sit here and watch if there was any idle animation, but usually it was very little animation or anything. But I can watch a screen tick away forever and the machine will wait on me. This machine mm-hmm. that's capable of rendering this entire world where this character is waiting for me to do something and I'm not typing in a command. Instead, I'm waiting and I'm thinking. And that's so bizarre to me that I'm in this space, but time isn't passing until mm-hmm. I hit the enter key and say, you know, go west. And then it finally will do it. And it sounds silly, but, you know, the computers and- were new and I was just a kid. But this concept of this entire world, this experience that I love, is uh, just waiting for it's you. It's just waiting for me and I can control it. Uh, and then you get into, you know, the platformers and things like that. It's like, oh, it's not waiting for me. It's going to kill me right now. Well, then they um, had the games where they implemented like day and night cycles yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, I can just sit here and watch the world unfold. Yeah. Um, and then you, yeah. yeah and, you ask weird questions like, when I died and my character went back to that checkpoint, is it going back in time or is it, no, it's just I'm resurrected. You know, it, like time is continuing. I just got reborn at that uh, mm-hmm. same spot. So is it space that I went back in space and, uh, you know, I'm a new entity or new instance of myself? Or no, did we just rewind the clock and we're, you know, the world is like, it's silly to think about that. But I did wonder those things. And we as players, we can just adapt to those weird conundrums of time that we never experience in real life. But it's right. just like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. I'm just going back to the next check. You know, but, you know, in a way we do experience it in real life. You know, you have that whole time flies when you're having fun. You know, time isn't a constant thing to anybody. Right. Like uh, you're saying, it's just a, it's just a made-up concept. It's a perception. Concept. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I, we do we're, – we're, we're naturally inclined to, in my mind, to accept these shifts in time mm-hmm. uh, from our own base of perception. So when it happens in a game, I don't think it's all that – unusual to us um you know and it could be done with some neat effects you get games like super hot i don't know if you've ever played that but um basically time only moves when you are physically moving so if you stand so if an enemy shoots at you and you stop the bullet Uh is just there in the air Uh you take a step the bullet comes at you you take a step (laughs) the bullet you know so you can just walk out of the way of the bullet (laughs) and then it keeps you know uh you have games like braid or uh prince of persia sands of time where Uh there's these rewind mechanics like whoops didn't mean to do that Uh rewind um, and then they use those effects to, uh, to to add some really neat challenges and things like that. But that whole wonderment of of time and how time progresses and or doesn't progress in the game, I you know it's it's kind of neat. And I, I agree. I, I remember playing games and, and and just thinking like, oh hey, like I can just I can wait and I can plot and I can think and I can just leave this and it'll be there when I get back and it's frozen, right? Or, you know, the day-night cycles and, um, you know, real-time combat and things like that. And it's like, oh, okay, well, this is a very different take on the exact same thing. I um, mean, it has a huge effect on what we call the narrative of a game, right? The user's experience of the game. You know, you take two games with the exact same mechanics, exact same gameplay, story, graphics, everything, and one is turn-based and one isn't. Mm-hmm. And you will have, again, just superiorly different uh, experiences. Yeah, I'm thinking in terms of uh, a lot of the strategy games that I enjoy. Uh, like they would be so fundamentally different if they were turn-based, like a Civ-style game. Mm-hmm. And even in Civ, as a turn-based game, you know your first few turns are measured in thousands of years, and then your last few turns are measured like each turn is just a simply a year. Um, so like even there, time compresses. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, interesting, even in a turn-based game that can occur, versus um, uh, Age of Empires, which is another, like, oh, you're going through the eras of civilization, but you're trying to make your decisions uh, against an opponent in real time so that there's this uh, adrenaline rush that's coming uh, out of it as well as, like, that satisfaction of Sure. Uh, I always the- prefer or- turn-based, you know. If I lose, I want it to be because my opponent beat me and mm-hmm. not because I just didn't have enough time. Right, right. Um, but it, it, it is an interesting thing. But, but it's, a different, it's a different mental exercise, right? The way time is mm-hmm. used in strategy is can you think and react quickly enough um, 
you know, like there are many situations in life where we have to make a really strong decision in a very short amount of time. Sure. And that's, and RTS is kind of challenge us on that level. Whereas civilization is, can you make ultimately the best decision for the long Well, and it allows you as some of these instances, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you one in a second, you'll recognize it mm-hmm. immediately. Some of these instances allow the player to use or abuse a game's timing to get an advantage. And so basically if I'm playing a, a turn-based multiplayer game, me mm-hmm. versus you, right? Mm-hmm. All I really have to do if I'm losing is just wait. Eventually you're going to get bored and you're going to quit and I'm going to win. <laughs> right? right remember and you have games like hearthstone right. that puts in that okay yeah. you're waiting now you're just being ridiculous now right. we're gonna start counting down if you don't do anything we're gonna you're gonna forfeit the game right. uh to prevent people from doing that but in the past i i'm losing a game i'm not gonna quit i'm just not going to play anymore right. and you're just going to wait until you quit and then right. i'm gonna win right yeah and i i remember playing games like that where a person would just stop playing and then uh i I could leave the computer and think eventually I'm going to win, but as soon as you do that, then they they start playing again, trying to catch you, thinking that you've left, and uh, so it becomes sort of a mental game outside of the game. Uh, and uh, I'm glad those things are done. Yeah. <laughs> Games don't generally do that anymore, but uh, but that was something you know that that certainly happened in the past. Yeah, it's it's funny. You just, this doesn't really have much to do with time, but anecdotally, I'm playing uh, Clash Royale on my phone a lot, and. Uh, People will abuse the time clock when they realize they're losing. Um, they will intentionally leave the app, which then sends a message to your screen saying the opponent has left the match, hoping that you'll be like, "Oh, great! Now I have to burn out another minute before the match will end. Let me just try to end the battle quickly by just going for their last and final tower." Mm-hmm. Right? I'm just mm-hmm. going to spam a bunch of units. He's not playing the game anymore. And then they'll jump right back in saying, ha ha, you just spammed all your elixir out in the form of these units, and I can just cast this one spell, kill them all. That's, that's quite a gamble, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see but people They do it all the time. That. So now you just, like, I have to be patient. I mm-hmm. guess it's going to take 15 to 20 seconds longer to actually end this stupid match, but I'm not going to just try to spam out my units to kill that last tower. I'm going to wait to see that this person is not actually coming back. It's abuse of... Um, Again, using my narrative time, like, oh, the match is actually dead, but I still have to be here. Um, Mm -hmm. They're trying to uh, manipulate that. But that game also has another issue, which made me want to talk about time, uh, which is because it is a phone-based game and because it's played in real time with another opponent. Uh, I notice a lot of timing-based issues when, say, one person has a poor connection to the network Mm -hmm. than another. Um, So... Sometimes you'll like, hey, the game seems to not be responding to me. And then suddenly you'll see like two seconds worth of gameplay played in front of you super fast. Mm-hmm. And then you're then it goes back into the normal time. I was wondering, um, is that what is actually going on to uh, behind the scenes? So it's it's interesting. And of course, I can't speak to their algorithms or their course, technology or whatever, yeah. but uh. A lot of times we see that sort of rubber banding with these uh-huh. multiplayer games. And so there, there's generally a, like sort of a, I guess you'll call it an action buffer and an action timeout period where let's say I hit a button and uh, say I'm dealing with a, a server authoritative game. Uh, and so I don't personally have the authority to say I hit this button, give me a barbarian, right? Okay. So what happens is I hit this button and, and my, my client says server – Give me a barbarian. And the server says, here you go. Uh, so if the server gets bogged down or I uh, I have a bad connection or whatever, when I say, you know, I hit that button, uh, my client says, oh, wait a minute, I can't talk to the server right now. Something's going on. So I'm going to hold that action in a buffer. And okay. let's say I do like three more actions. Well, I'm going to hold all three of these actions in a buffer. And then as soon as I can talk to the server, then that's what I'm just going to do all three really quick. Okay. All right. Um, Additionally, it might say, okay, you gave me these three commands, but now it's been five seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you don't want those commands anymore, so I'm just going to drop them. Mm-hmm. And that's at that point where you'll see like your screen almost sort of refresh. Uh, you'll be updated with what your opponent's been doing this whole time you were yeah. not seeing, but right. none of your actions will have happened okay. because your client dropped them because it was like they're probably outdated by now. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's how I would – 
basically structure it. That uh, totally you know. jives with my experience of the game. Sometimes I'm like, aha, I put down my barbarians. And then, uh-oh, screen froze. And then, boom, my barbarians are gone and the card's back in my deck. So the server must have said, yeah, timed out. I don't think you really wanted that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna pretend that never happened. But they were on screen for a brief moment and then disappeared. And then yeah. I could see a whole you, bunch of other things on screen. And you screen. see this with MMOs a lot too. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of multiplayer game time has a lot to do with with networking strategies. So if I'm playing uh, a, an MMO or, or some other online game or whatever, and let's say I have a, a client uh, uh, authority over the player, uh, the, the, main, the, the, the first player, your player, okay. whatever, which doesn't happen a lot sometimes. I mean, there's different strategies, whatever. So what that basically means is if I'm going to say I'm here and the server is going to say, okay, you're there. And I'm going to say, well, I'm running this way. And the server is going to say, okay, you're running this way. Now, if a disconnect happens later, mm-hmm. You're going to say, server, I'm here. And the server's going to say, no, wait a minute. I have you over here. Now, if it's client authority, the server's going to say, oh, okay, let me update my records. You're actually okay. over there. Okay. And that's going to give you a very smooth play session for mm-hmm. you personally mm-hmm. because you win every battle with the server as far as your position goes. Okay. And so what's effectively going to happen is anyone else playing might see – like might be shooting at you and then have you just disappear. Okay. Where'd you go? Well, you were actually over there and the server just updated. That may not be the, the, the only reason that happens, but that's one of the reasons, right? Now, the other way of doing this is if like, you know, the server has total authority. So again, you're saying server, I'm here. And the server's like, okay, you're there. And then later you say server, I'm here. And the server goes, no, wait a minute. No, I have you over here. I'm going to move you mm-hmm. to where I think you are because I'm the okay. one with the authority. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're playing a game. You see yourself just sort of running in place. And you're like, what is happening? And then all uh-huh. of a sudden, now you're over here. Okay. Right? And yep. that's kind of a, a sure way to know that it's th- server authority uh, over your player instead okay. of your authority over the player. Right. Okay. Um, and so, you know, and that all happens with very low latency and stuff like that. So, I mean, when you talk about timing in games, that's one thing. But when you talk get into networking, that's a whole new thing mm-hmm. uh, because networking is basically about time really you know it's just basically a conversation that you just delay and lose bits of all the time and you gotta how are you gonna deal with that that temporal issues mm-hmm. and things like that so there's a lot of technical things that can go into uh, networking and maintaining multiplayer states and stuff like that um, when when we're dealing with that so it, it can be you know and again I'm not a network engineer mm-hmm. so if someone's a network engineer you can be like you explain that totally wrong <laughs> uh, however I've talked to several people and I've used that explanation and no one yet has told me I'm completely wrong. So <laughs> maybe they're just being really nice. I don't know. It makes um, sense to me. I'll buy sure. it. Sure. I'm not going to, that's the thing is it sounds good. It's probably wrong, but it sounds <laughs> good enough to be believable. So sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of kind of interesting things that can happen there, but you know, it, it's interesting because you can't even really have a conversation about time without really denoting, are we talking on a technical level or a perceptive level, uh-huh. an artistic level? Um, it's right. really, yeah. And it, without time, games would just be a picture. Right. And we and there are certain kinds of things that we could envision, say, from a design perspective, that would um, be physically difficult to uh, accomplish. Because let's say, in my mind, I'm imagining a smooth client experience. Like, oh, as a player, I never see characters jump around because I hate that. Um, but then that means... Uh, I'm a client authoritative game, but then again, because this is a competitive game, uh, you really should have server authority. Mm-hmm. And so, it's well, like, yeah, and you can well, always you can sacrifice security and give yourself a smooth experience, but that the other players will always be jumping around okay. on your screen. Okay. Yeah, there's right. no you can't. I mean, you can't be authoritative over yourself and all of the other players because right. then they okay. would all just have a terrible experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting when it comes to multiplayer games and stuff like that. One of the things, uh, kind of in, in the notes you had sent me previously that you had talked about was, um, you know, basically how, you know, games might drop a render frame, but Mm -hmm. the objects are still updating behind the scenes, but could they instead drop an update frame and still render on time and things like that? And what's, what's interesting is that all of these things have been tried, and we've seen these in games before. Uh, so effectively, what I'm talking about um, is that, you know, behind the scenes you have these, these update frames um, or update time, um, which sometimes is, you know, in sync with, with physical time, sometimes not. But then you also have render time, right? And so if you're, if you're saying my game is playing at 60 frames a second, you're talking about 60 render frames a second, um, and that number is generally 
good for you know a couple of reasons. One, it generally matches the refresh rate of your monitor, so you don't mm-hmm. see flickering, um, and it's, it provides a pretty smooth experience. Uh, but now updates can be happening behind the scenes much faster than that or slower than that, right? We don't, you know, it really depends on on your own hardware. And uh, we can kind of see sometimes when things like this, you know, work differently. Uh, if you ever played, uh, let's say you played a really old game, um, I don't know, something maybe on the Commodore 64, right? And then later you played it on an emulator of the Commodore 64 and it was so fast. Right. Um, it's like, oh, I'm going to sail across the sea in pirates, right? <laughs> and in the game, it would just, you know, it pays across the street, but now it just zoom. And, yeah. you're, you're, and you're like, what, why did it do that? What is that? Because my experience is different now. It's it's not, I mean, yeah, the hardware is faster and that's effectively what's happening, but I'm not getting the same gameplay experience. Right. And it's because, yeah, I mean, back then the hardware was a little more known, mm-hmm. right? A Commodore 64 was a Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. Atari 2600 was an Atari 2600, right? Uh, and so, you know, you didn't have to worry about all these different types of hardware running your applications. You generally build an application for this hardware mm-hmm. and uh, very much like console games and stuff like that now. And so... Now that you play it on these faster games, there's no like timing code behind the scenes to make sure everyone's oh, having the same experience. Right. So faster hardware, just so if a game's going to update as fast as it can on my computer that updates that has more horsepower, so to speak, which updates more mm-hmm. often, I'm going to have a much faster game. And there's nothing you can do about that, right? And so you know, a lot of times games now. They'll do things like they'll they'll check out delta time, like yeah. how fast. I was just going to ask about that. Right, exactly. Delta time is you know the time in between each update, and so if I have a fast computer, delta time is a really low number, and so if I multiply a number by delta time, right, I get you know well, a consistent small. result. Yeah. And then if I have a slow computer, delta time is a much larger mm-hmm. number, and so if I multiply all my numbers by the delta time. Everyone has the exact same experience, regardless of, of computation power of their machine. Uh, and so we get a nice, consistent experience across the board. Um, now, you, one of the other things you said, well, what about dropping update frames but keeping a consistent render frame, uh, right? So 60 frames a second no matter what, even if we can't update. And that would feel like slow-mo, but things would would – would work faster or would, would look smoother. And games do that. Games in the past have done that as well, where, you know, I'm sure we've all played games where it just started getting really slow mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, even if the rendering didn't drop. And, uh, and yeah, and it, you know, I think time just has told that, you know, players don't really like that. Um, they want a nice, smooth, consistent gameplay experience. Um, it doesn't have to be realistic. It just has to be consistent, okay. right? That's why real-time strategies with unrealistic time is fine, but games with fluctuating update rates are not. Let's let's go back just a little bit. I wanted sure. to talk about Delta Time a little bit because coming mm-hmm. from a non-engineering uh, background, this was a new concept for me to learn about the way games work. Um, when I first started scripting, I would just be like, oh, every tick, you know, mm-hmm. do this thing. And I just assumed that, oh, if Unity, for example, I think the default is 1 50th of a second. For physics, yeah. For physics, or it's like, like oh, or, you know. 50 times a second. second is happening. That that 1 50th of a second, well, I guess for physics, it is, in fact, always the same physical real-time increment, right? It, you can, so the increments can fluctuate, but it will be 50 times a second. Okay. Even if they're not evenly distributed. Okay, It'll that's the concept that threw me off. I didn't realize that. And I that thought, number is changeable. That's just the okay. default. Yeah, I thought, like, whether it's Game Maker Studio or Unity or Unreal, um, if they said, you know, you have 50 updates per second, that they were equally spaced updates. But that's not actually the case. Um, you can't predict exactly how this thing is being, the second is being sliced up into its 50 parts. It's like a, a pie, you know, yeah, more or less the pie slices are equal to each other, but they're not exactly the same, depending on well, what you got your machine doing at that particular moment. And, and if you really feel like baking your noodle, um, also realize that the act of slicing a pie mm-hmm. removes some of it, makes it unusable. Right. Right. Uh, what about the pie that was underneath the blade that got right, crushed down right, or stuck right. to the blade? <laughs> the act of measuring your time uses your time, yeah. which means you will yeah. never have an accurate time measurement. Okay. So, anyways, so even <laughs> even using time dot delta time, uh, as it's denoted in Unity and lots of other scripting languages, isn't mm-hmm. totally accurate. But it's more accurate than just simply saying on this tick the character moves so many 
sure. meters per yeah. second. It's, or it, it'll per get second. you 99% of the way there. Yeah. Not to mention most games, uh, game engines uh, store time as floats. Uh, store most of the numbers as floats, um, even though they're way less accurate than doubles. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because floats are smaller and they're faster to process, and we don't need extreme accuracy with numbers like we would if we were doing like a phys- like a like a high level physics simulation mm-hmm. or just like real num like you know scientific number crunching or whatever. And so we sort of shortcut for the faster solution, which is floating point numbers. Um, so there there's really there's kind of a, a joke where you can never say, is this float equal to one? Because there's no such thing. If you set a float equal to one, it's really equal to 0.9999999999 uh-huh. with a bit of error at the very end. And so right. just by virtue of even storing time in a mm-hmm. non-perfect variable type, you're going to lose some of your time. Yeah. That was another concept that just still even to this day boggles my mind. Why can't there be one? I remember learning that in grade school when we were trying to program in Fortran and our mm-hmm. instructor's telling us like, well, there's some numerical error there. It's rounding to, you know, like, what? One is one. Like, why, why can't it? Could, <laughs> it's supposed to be binary, zeros and ones. It's, why can't it figure this out? And even then, in real life, one isn't yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, now you're really blowing my mind. Now, and I well, remember then as a, as a budding developer, uh, working with engineers and they're like, well, the reason why you're having this problem in your environment is that you have locations so far away from each other that a floating point value can't accurately um, store how far apart uh, sure, this thing absolutely. is. Uh, and they're like, what? What are you talking about? Just give me more. It's only like a, you know, a thousand meters apart. It's like, yeah, but it's a fraction of a meter. You have this thing a fraction of a centimeter away from this thing. And I'm trying to measure things in terms of you know, meters. And so that small, small accuracy is, is not there. And so therefore you see this object jiggling or Z fighting mm-hmm. with another polygon. You're like, oh God. So it's like, yeah, you have to move the origin of the world to here. And then. Yeah. You, you yeah, get, like, you oh. get a, a less than a percentage of error that gets compounded yeah. and multiplied. And then eventually it's like a, a visible amount of error right. because no matter what, no matter how sharp, how accurate your numbers are, it's still being displayed on a screen with a finite number of square pixels. Yeah. So so it's always going to be chopped up and guesstimated. And, uh, I think yeah. that's the ultimate <laughs> takeaway for, I think, someone who lives in the analog world, like whether you're a designer or an artist, without too much of a technical background, that we don't perceive the, the granular, I think is a word you used, the granular mm-hmm. nature of time and space that a computer has, not just for physical dimensions or for time, but even for just variable values. Like It's like I can't... Um, store an infinite number of decimals and um and in fact all my numbers have to fit in one in this like a float is what seven units of accuracy total so to, like you can have i don't remember okay. the time it really yeah. depends on the language and okay. it depends on the implementation but but yeah but yeah once i started programming and i realized oh a floating point value can only have like let's say seven significant significant digits then now that makes sense to me yeah you can't really think of it in finite terms i I remember a a sort of a a math slash logic puzzle that kind of drives home the point Mm -hmm. um and so it goes uh, you know i don't quite remember but it goes something like this if it takes if it takes two people three days to dig a hole Mm -hmm. how long does it take one person to dig a hole if it takes say that or i'm sorry if it takes two people (laughs) see i butchered it two people three days to dig a hole Uh how long does it take one person to dig half a hole so let's see, it's, it takes three days for two people to dig a single hole. Mm. So um, it would take one person six days to do a full hole. And if you're doing a half hole, that would be three days, is my guess. Is yeah, but there's no such thing as half a hole. Oh, right. A hole is a hole. <laughs> oh, right, whether it's an inch deep or six feet. <laughs> Okay. See, and I'm thinking, oh, you mean like half the depth, but you're right. Like uh, the word hole actually by definition is just. Exactly. How far can you walk into the woods? Yeah. (laughs) Halfway. Because after half, you're walking out of the woods. Uh, (laughs) Oh my God. We are so off topic now. (laughs) So let's let's pivot this conversation about time and the way computers chunk it all up and the way narrative or player narrative, the way, you know, the story we're telling in our own heads as players uh, is affected in, let's say, AR or VR, augmented reality or virtual reality. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm playing a game with other players or maybe even by myself, 
Uh, can I play with time the same way we have been? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to remove the other players okay. part of okay. that because that networking is going to throw a wrench in okay. anything, okay. right? All right. But so it's something that I, I kind of said earlier, and and a, a guy I work with, um, Brad, uh, mm-hmm. said this to me, and I you know I don't know if it originated with him or came from somewhere else, but it, it's it's very uh, accurate in my mind, it, is that human beings we're, we're built to work with systems and tools, right? We just are. I mean, we we make tools to assist with every part of our life. We systems are we organize, we stand in lines, like we this is what we do. This is how we function. So. Any game, virtual reality, augmented reality, any game that has time systems, whether they're accurate or inaccurate, um, they don't have to be realistic. They're just a system. Games are just a system. They don't have to be real. They don't have to make sense. They just have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. So if I do something one way and this thing happens and I do the same thing the same way, that thing should still happen, right? And so when I'm dealing with time, it, I know that if I step on this this power-up, time is going to slow down. It, it's not going to be like, whoa, time slowed down. That's not real. My brain's going to go, okay, that's what happens when I step on this thing. Um, you know, just every dream you've ever had that made absolutely no sense, but at the time you're just like, yeah, all right, that's just what it is, right? Your brain doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't care about what's realistic. It just cares what's consistent. Uh, and so, yeah, time can be a great narrative tool um, in virtual reality, especially in virtual reality where, you know, we get so immersed into it because, you know, we can't break ourselves away from that very easily. Um, so at that point, we just start working and jiving and flowing with it. And it kind of becomes our reality. Okay, so let's let's walk through this. I am I'm just going to pick a random system. Let's say I'm using um, the touch controllers with a Vive setup at, you know, in your basement mm-hmm. and I'm playing a game. My movements will always be in real time, like real real time, like right? Mm-hmm. I'm just a normal human being. Um, and then if the game slows down, uh, I will still move at my own rate. If I'm playing like this is where I'm starting to get a little like, oh, wait, how would we handle this? Let's say I'm controlling a character, like a, it's a third-person style game, and I have mm-hmm. this cute little robot in front of me that I'm uh, manipulating, and then suddenly time slows down. So that if I try to – and previously, you know, if I pushed my controller forward, the robot just moved forward and pushed, you know um, – and move backwards and move backwards. And now suddenly, uh, and then the camera's moving to keep up with him, let's say. Mm-hmm. Now I'm pushing forward, but time has slowed down. So the character is now moving more slowly. Um, I guess if I disconnected the camera movement from that character, it'd be okay. It's like, okay, yeah, it's still consistent. Right, time so- is slowed down. It's just that the character, not me, the character is moving more slowly. But Exactly, because suddenly- you're not the character. You're watching right, the character. Right. And that's kind of the interesting thing about VR and games too. It's before you would say, oh, that's me. And and even now you still can still say, mm-hmm. oh, that's me. But really you don't believe that. Yeah. You know you're you. You're right. watching that thing, right. right? And so you see this a lot with games too where – if I were to be directly controlling something, let's say in the game I have a model of a hand that correlates mm-hmm. to my actual hand, and the game slows down so my real-world hand moves mm-hmm. faster than my in-game hand, that's uh-huh. going to make me ill. You're right. right? right. That's, yeah. I, How do we but if, my, if basically if my hand is a remote control mm-hmm. that controls a toy car, right, and I'm manipulating this remote control – and the game slows down so the car doesn't go as fast or doesn't respond very well to my commands, Mm -hmm. that's not my fault. Something's wrong with the remote control. Mm -hmm. Something is wrong with the radio signal between Mm -hmm. the remote control or the Mm -hmm. car or the car itself. That's not something wrong with me, and I'm okay, right? That's Mm -hmm. not – you see what I'm saying? That's not – I mean, we you know we see this all the time. We're like, something's wrong with the car, not something's wrong with my reality, right? right? Right. And so – that's okay. So a lot of times in VR, we don't directly manipulate objects. We got to be very careful with directly manipulating mm-hmm. objects. I mean, if you think about physics, in a game, if I a virtual reality game, if I pick up an object that that's physical, like mm-hmm. a, a bottle of water, mm-hmm. and I push it through a wall, right? My hand is meeting no resistance in real world. Right. I can just keep going. Right. But in the game, two physical objects are hitting right. each other. Right. My hand represents a completely unstoppable physical object in that virtual world. The right. wall should just crumble. Right. Right. It's the only realistic way to handle that. Otherwise, 
I'm going to have a real disconnect there right. because it's an action I'm directly causing to happen. So, you know, you got to be careful about dis- how you directly implement control versus disassociating it and things like that. And, you know, and yeah, I mean, that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with time there. But um, your perceptions of time in VR and things like that are Remind, fine. Yeah. They can be different as long as they're consistent. But there are games where you directly manipulate objects. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, when we played uh, – fantastic contraption weren't we picking mm-hmm. up objects and putting them on did they yeah, just so, kept, they kept us far away from the uh, the boundary zone so that sure that sure happen, but what or? i'm saying is like your hand uh-huh. passes through objects so right, you couldn't right. slap that's true. something to knock that's it right. over that's right you're right that's i remember that there's slightly eerie but you would just stop when you saw the visually the object had snapped into place even yeah. though your hand was just kind of like this rubber band between it and uh, the object so there was now this, job there, simulator uh-huh. even if i'm not grabbing something my hand will literally knock things over okay. which if you talk to the folks from alchemy they put a lot of work into mm-hmm. building a system that allows that you know, like uh, the amount of work they did into their input system in that game is pretty extreme because how how do you make that happen? How do you, how do you, you know, uh, resolve those issues between unstoppable hand versus right. the boundaries of the physical world? Um, you know what I find so, fascinating about our conversation? We always start talking about time, but then we end up talking about general physics. It's like you can't separate time and space. They, you know, when we talk about the conundrums that we have um, with time in games, they also have a very strong physical component to them as well. We Certainly, talking about Absolutely. space. That's uh, kind of cool. Now we're going to start talking about the movie Looper. You know what we should have done? I should have queued up uh, um, Keanu Reeves from Bill and Ted uh, to just the whoa, right? right? So every time you make a point, whoa. <laughs> Sounds like right. a, almost like a high conversation yes. at this point. Right, yeah, it is. Like, well, because one of the first um, whoa moments I had with uh, scripting uh, was when I was thinking, oh, I can manipulate time. Uh, that's easy. I don't have to know much about how time works. I can just make everything move twice as fast when the player speeds the game up. But then that throws all your physics way off. It's like everything mm-hmm. now has twice the kinetic energy, um, twice the momentum, or no, more not more than twice. It's uh, one half mv squared. So it's the square of the kinetic energy just because right. this, so it's like, no, if you want to speed up the game, you have to manipulate time. You cannot- You have to change your time scale. You cannot manipulate velocity. That's not a way to get around it. You you, um, yep. you actually have to address You have to make one that. second game equal two seconds real world right, or something like right. that, you know, or vice versa. Um, to You have to actually manipulate the scaling of time mm-hmm. uniformly across the board uh, or else you have these inconsistent systems. And that's what makes people okay. not believe something. Right. So Okay. Um, so if we could go back, let's talk about the first person case. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a first person virtual reality game and I want to speed the game up. I want to say time moves more quickly. But since I can't disconnect the player's, you know, hands, so it's, let's say it's a first person shooter and you can't separate the gun movement from mm-hmm. the player's actual physical uh, experience. The only thing I could do to make time go faster, I guess, is to actually slow the rest of the world down so that it Sure. Okay. And then if I wanted like no, you've been slowed because you've been poisoned. Um, the game speeds up relative to you. And you're like, oh my God, everything's moving so quickly. And I, I feel like I'm not able to move fast enough to keep up. Well, yeah. So if you want, like, so there's a couple ways you can approach this. Mm-hmm. So if you want the player to think at 100% speed, but to move and react mm-hmm. at slower speeds, mm-hmm. you can simply slow the player down. That's like bullet time, right? Uh, like in the Matrix or okay. the game Max Payne or whatever. But I'm a- still... I'm thinking in regular time, and I'm like, oh, there's an enemy, there's an enemy, there's an enemy, but uh-huh. I can't do anything about it because I'm moving so slow. Right, so this right. is where I get screwed up. In, like, say, a room scale experience, like with the the Vive, I'm still moving at real time, like my normal well, pace. Well, that, yeah, you can't really do anything about that. Okay. So, but but here, let me finish. So, okay. so and not even talking about VR, but just okay. in games in general, but if I want to be thinking slower, uh-huh. like I'm mentally clouded, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I, you can't make a player, a person, physically think slower, mm-hmm. so speed everything else up. They'll have okay. half the time to react, right. half the time to see. It will right. be, perceptually, as if they were thinking slower right. than everything else, right? right. Uh, and vice versa. Like, if I want uh, my player to be, you know, 
super fast, but I still want to think at regular time, mm-hmm. you know, then then I can just kind of control how I slow everything else down and stuff like that or, or you know, speed up just the player's actions or whatever, yeah. right? So, yeah, well, yeah. I-, I mean, VR, you, have a, you can control the time outside of your physical capabilities, mm-hmm. but you will always move at the speed right. of you. Okay. So I think yeah. that's the interesting shift uh, in game design around time for mm-hmm. virtual reality and and most likely a uh, augmented reality because the real world is still you know the real world in front of you is still moving at you know analog time but mm-hmm. it's only the digital assets that are being rendered that can either move more s- slowly or more quickly but you yourself your avatar um your your you are control fixed. yeah you yeah. are fixed and still moving in real time and that's something that traditional pc and console games they don't have to worry like if i was playing um a first person shooter i can have bullet time where mm-hmm. myself and the whole world moves really slow but i can't do that anymore in a vr unless i want to make the player hurl because they're like yeah, exactly. i'm trying to move the camera around but it's they'll not react exactly up. as they yeah. would if they yeah. were sick <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we could do that it's like yeah you could do like you know a flash bang grenade goes off and like suddenly the you know, you're not in sync with your camera anymore you're like i think i'm gonna hurl and you're it's gonna like, start yeah, giving because, P- people yeah. ptsd <laughs> with your games yeah but you don't want to do that <laughs> we okay. always come back to VR. Always come back to <laughs> yeah. VR. Um, so, how do you feel about the conversation of time? We, I don't know. We, we uh, never uh, really achieve any. Purpose. <laughs> yeah. Like, let let me look at look at my wall of text here that I had sent you earlier. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think we, I think we, I think we hit it all. Um, I mean, we didn't, we didn't probably answer a lot of questions that play, listeners might have. Well, if we least... could answer questions, that would make us pretty impressive, right? <laughs> right. Things people have been pondering since yeah. the beginning of said time. <laughs> but uh, I always tell people, I, you know, time is like, uh, time is like cold. It doesn't exist. <laughs> There's no such thing as cold. You can't measure cold. Cold just is a, just the absence right, of heat. Heat, right? Okay. Same as dark. There's well, no such thing as dark. Let's let's put in that woe sound effect. <laughs> I just watched a documentary and whoa. I can't remember the name just now, but I it's uh, it challenges the notion that uh, the laws of physics, like the gravity and time, are even fixed. That we just happen to be in an era where gravity works this way, but sooner or later it's going to change. Uh, maybe slowly, imperceptibly, as far as humans are concerned, but it, it, it's like the continents on the Earth. They are slowly shifting into different shapes and forms. Um, so, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> so Let's shift yeah. to another topic. Yeah, so th- this is the one I, I kind of was was thinking about. So I, I, I've, I've been kind of craving a, a classic JRPG, like mm-hmm. Japanese RPG, uh, think Final Fantasy, right? I don't understand that drive, <laughs> but okay. I, I don't know. Well, I, I'm a grinder, right? Uh-huh. So I, I play games that I can just, just grind on a bit. Yeah. And I don't know. And then you just get overwhelmingly powerful and then summon Bahamut who destroys the world. <laughs> and it's fun to watch. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, or Knights of the Round maximize times four and just obliterate uh-huh. bosses and things. But, um, but so so... I, I've sort of been in the, this this sort of mood, and so I, I downloaded um, uh, Final Fantasy game called Mobius, right? Uh, and I also got a Final Fantasy game called I believe it was called Brave Exodus or something like that. And what kind of disappointed me is that they're they're really the same game. Mm-hmm. They're just different, you know, graphics, two D versus three D. And it's one of those games where I no longer control the movements of my player. I just say. I'm going to click on this village and I'm going to walk to this village and there are three stages between here and the village and at each stage, it's just going to put me right into a battle, right? And I'm going to do my attacks by tapping the screen or choosing menu items and in that regard, it is like a classic RPG but then when I'm done with that stage, it just brings me to the results screen, I get a couple rewards and then I can just go to the next stage. But again, there's no movement on my part, it's just listing these levels. Mm -hmm. Each level costs me stamina Right, and stamina regenerates over time, and then I can buy more. And you know, it's just basically that mobile game. And mm-hmm. both games are the exact same way. And it's like, it, it's interesting to me that it's like even the experience of of the RPG from like, you know, the I guess the franchise you could consider to be the most successful RPG franchise, which is Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like feels so 
polluted. And, you know, I, I have downloaded a bunch mm-hmm. of RPG games, uh, specifically mobile titles, I know, and I'm getting what I ask for with mobile mm-hmm. titles there. Uh, but they're all kind of the same game. They're all this game, right? You know, stamina, you got stages, mm-hmm. all you're doing is being given the combat options, there's nothing else to it. And uh, at the end of it, I can just use some of the items I got to slowly power up some of my characters and then do it all over again and do it all over again and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's kind of a it's, – it's an interesting shift, so to speak. Now, granted, there are like – I can get console titles or, or Nintendo DS titles or, or whatever um, to experience some more of that classic game styling. But it's just – it's interesting how kind of low the bar is set. For mobile RPG games, because these are all over a million downloads, almost five stars, like highly rated uh-huh. games. It's like really, you know, it's it's interesting because as a non uh, non fan, I guess, of JRPGs, what you described as that, like, oh, it's suboptimal for me, mobile experience, is how JRPGs feel to me generally. Even the old ones, like Chrono mm-hmm. Trigger and all that, like you was like blasphemer. But um, I feel like, <laughs> oh God, what am I? doing this where I'm just going over here and I click through these battles and it's always the same tactic. But there's a lot of story to it. In okay. Games. Oh, and you're saying here they just cut to the chase. You're like, boom, stage, boom, stage, boom, stage. It's now like, wait, now wait, I'm going to see wait. a boss. I'm going to fight the boss. Yeah, yeah, now right. the boss is defeated. And it's just right. like, That sense of right. sense of exploration and journey is now missing, you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a sense of caring about yeah. your character and, and all of these things. And even customizable options like, oh, I didn't get the, the class that I wanted. Well, uh-huh. You can get a new class every 24 days, or you can pay $19.99 to unlock a random one right, right now. And it's like, but what if I get a new one that I don't like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, why can't I just make my character the character I want? Yeah. You know, uh, it's uh, it, it's interesting. And then, you know, but – and you look at the reviews and stuff, and they're all really high. And you're just like, oh, all right, that's – it's just kind of the gameplay experience now. Um, I'm a big fan of, of like the JRPG super over-the-top stories. Uh-huh. Um, like, oh, I was <laughs> vengeful. And when I was a kid, the vending machine didn't spit out my candy bar. So now I'm going to find and kill God. And it's like, <laughs> oh, all right, man. And I'm this plucky young hero right. who happens to be blonde and white uh-huh. who's going to stop you. And that's every JRPG ever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's 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 interesting anyway. But uh, that was kind of my gripe. And just like, man, I I kind of just want to play, you know, like a, a classic JRPG. And they just, yeah. I don't know, Final Fantasy 15 will be coming out uh, in November. So I guess I'm just gonna have to wait. But it's yeah. like, uh, I thought I lived in a, a day and age where I didn't have to wait anymore. <laughs> uh, what what is this crap? Yeah. Uh, I wonder what it is about the mobile experience or the mobile audience that's caused this model to prosper and get the five-star ratings. And I mean, it must be data-driven. Certainly. Decision-making here. It's rational. The game designers are choosing, well, part of it is just the, the, this game was successful at this, so let's just copy it. And so maybe it's not that rational. It's just, let's copy it because people are familiar with it. Once they're, they've adapted to it that, you know, we can, um, enjoy some of that market as well but and it must be for the I like week. grinding games yeah. but these are just grind fest to an extreme that i can't even like who who plays these yeah i i would do you think it's because we now play these games in such bite-sized segments like while i'm waiting in line to buy my movie ticket definitely because you know for yeah. for the people that play in those smaller segments the fact that you have stamina that regenerates over time mm-hmm. who cares because you're gonna play a little bit and then you're gonna stop and your right. stamina will be regenerated right um and, and then, then if you want to play for a longer right. session you have to pay for it right and if i do want to log back in um i don't want to oh god no i have to travel here and i have to go through this this dialogue it's like no 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 i only have three minutes get me to my gameplay yeah. So I can do my thing. Okay, now I'm done. Oh, and is it time to go? Great. And then, then you're out. And so that's definitely change that the idea of like, oh, I'm gonna like cozy up. Yeah, what they call sofa. snackable experiences, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like to, to really settle down for two to three hours to play a, a role playing game is no. Not and I get it. and you know and I know someone's gonna listen to this and be like, well, that's what you get. It's a mobile game. Why not get a console? And I get mm-hmm. that. And again, I have a, a 3ds. I could just. Get, Get a game for that, you know. I don't have to complain, but it is one of those things. Is like, uh, you know, the you get these, you just get your hopes up. But you, you know, know, you should compl- because um, it's all about convergence, that convenience. Uh, I have a very expensive device in my hand um, that I pay a monthly fee to use all the time, and 
this very basic function, it can't perform. I have to put it down and pick up an older uh, limited device in order to get uh, this experience when this other device, my phone, is perfectly capable of delivering it. Yet for some reason, that product doesn't exist. Well, it's, it's a culture thing because if you think about it, like if – if I was to buy this experience on, say, the 3DS, it would cost me $40. Yes. But there's no way you're selling a $40 uh-huh. mobile game. Yeah. Even though I would buy a $40 mobile game, mm-hmm. I am in the extreme minority. Uh-huh. And anyone who looks at a $40 mobile game and thinks, I will never buy that, uh-huh. they will then go out and buy a $40 DS game, yeah. even though it's the exact same thing. Right. So a lot of it is perception and culture there. Um and I have to wonder about the validity of the reviews on, say, like Google Play. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Google Play reviews uh, for any game, any game whatsoever, mm-hmm. they pick now like the top, like the four, like like eighty-five percent of the people said this, and so, and first off, eighty-five percent of the people did not say the exact same sense word for word. So yeah. they're picking pieces, right. you know. But every game, every game, look at it and and. I guarantee you within the top two is so addicting. Like the word addicting. The yeah. word addicting is in every single mm-hmm. game. So is everyone running around saying addicting for every single game? Or is that really being like injected into it? Or you know, where is it pulling this from? And, you know, if every game truly is addicting, then maybe that's kind of scary. I don't know. Well, I mean, I know that that's uh, when you're talking about free to play. It's all about that retention and engagement and getting the initial. But even so, like for addicting to become a good thing, like I'm a consumer, I'm looking for the game that says addicting. Right. I think what consumers are saying when they use that word addicting is like, finally a game worth my time. Sure. Rather than I have thousands of free to play titles to choose from. None of them were worth the time it took to download and play for 10 minutes. But this one, but this I keep game coming, has consumed coming, my life. Yeah, I keep coming back to it. Yes, and that's sort of like <laughs> aw- the word "awesome." Remember, what is "awesome" a word from the '90s or the '80s? I don't know. I mean, or "awesome" that- is a word from like pre-Bible. Okay, I mean, but like when everybody said "awesome," that game is like really awesome. No, like you're right. It's like no, when God opened up the heavens and spoke to you, that's awesome. Well, you playing a funny, mobile awesome, game is not awesome. <laughs> awesome used to be like negative or scary or fearful. Yeah, right, right. It's and like, awful used to be good. Oh, really? Full of awe. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. his, you know, his awful might was right. a good thing. Right. He was very strong. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. It's like you're supposed to be like, <laughs> uh, like, it puts you in almost like a state of shock. You can't believe what you're perceiving. It's amazing. Yeah, like words are this, dumb. Yeah. It's like sweet breads versus sweet meats. <laughs> words are dumb. <laughs> Greenland versus Iceland. I call shenanigans. Right. Total shenanigans. I heard that was early uh, marketing propaganda, to call it Greenland, to get people to move over. <laughs> Wasn't it like the Vikings? They yeah. got to Iceland in the winter, and they were like, well, this sucks. And they got to Greenland during like the one month of summer, and they're like, this is yeah. amazing. You're right. Or that, and I think... To encourage uh, Vikings to actually go and settle that land, like, oh, there's a green. Do you think land. the natives of Greenland is like, how are we gonna, how are we gonna spin Greenland? How are we gonna sell this? What do you guys think? No, it was actually, Let's call it Greenland. It was no, it was the Viking real estate developer who wanted uh, people <laughs> like, oh, ah, that would be an amazing free to play game. You're a Viking real estate developer. And you like on one hand, you're a realtor, but on the other hand, you're a Viking, so you get to do all your realtor stuff like really right. violently. <laughs> yes. It's almost like Octodad, the juxtaposition between being a dad and an octopus at the same time. I'm a realtor Viking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Are, All right. are we still on are would are we still on JRPG? That sounds like a like a JRPG kind of trope. You're no, it, it would be JRPG if you were a realtor, but you were selected by a crystal to be the warrior <laughs> of light uh, to sell homes to Vikings so that the darkness doesn't <laughs> yeah, take over. Yeah. Actually, um, that sounds like a fable storyline, like for that. Well, that's I mean that's very classic. <laughs> any any form of RPG, yeah, but you know yeah. JRPGs were kind of yeah. like the yeah. the bread and butter way back. But uh, I always wondered. I mean, completely tangential. But <laughs> all of these RPGs is like you're just an average dude or or lady, uh-huh. you're just an average person, and then all of a sudden something extreme happens, and the world has turned to darkness, and you've been chosen to restore the balance by being this warrior of good. Mm-hmm. And okay, right, all right, balance is mm-hmm. good, right? So I'll I'll fight the darkness, and it'll be an epic story, whatever. But where's my game where I'm an average dude, mm-hmm. and the world has become too good? And I have been chosen to be the warrior of darkness to restore the balance. 
Thank you. Now, I've I been waiting for that game too. I'm not a bad guy, uh-huh. but I don't. I'm doing this for. <laughs> I'm doing this for. It's the right thing to do. Uh-huh. I have to do bad things <laughs> to keep the world in balance, even if I don't want to. But I've been chosen to be that bad guy. Uh-huh. And talk about a moral conundrum there. <laughs> that game has had to have been made by now, right? Let's nah, it probably doesn't test well. Most people are like, <laughs> I don't want to think this hard about it. I don't want to feel this bad. Yeah. Or I'm enjoying it too much or whatever. Yeah. Because um, the, the whole thing falls apart if you're actually enjoying being bad. You have to hate yourself for it the whole time. <laughs> Do which, you, can't which, we make the game where you like being that guy? Like, can't Remember Dungeon Keeper? Did you ever play Dungeon Keeper? Dungeon Keeper was great, but that was a funny game. Yeah. Okay, right? You when it's serious when it's game. funny, yeah. then that's different. Okay. But uh but yeah, it's really hard to make that game and you know <laughs> when you enjoy being a video game sadist. I'm always a good guy in a video game. I, I very much hate being a bad guy in a video game. So anyway, like I said, tangential. But yeah. uh We should rename our podcast Mike's Tangential Video Game Podcast. Mike's think... <laughs> Mike's various topics and sometimes video game yeah, podcast. Right. <laughs> well, all right, we we're a little over an hour here, okay. and I don't think that we've really accomplished anything. But so we'll call this uh, uh, episode seventeen the whoa episode. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so hashtag deep. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, we're gonna throw this one out. Call it hashtag deep. What is time? Whoa. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm sure someone will respond to me later and be like, yeah, that whole time thing, all of that was completely wrong. Let me sit you down and explain it to you. But that'd be great because we can finally have that corrected. And I doubt it, though. I'll probably just like my brain will melt. <laughs> and anyone who could sit me down and explain it to me probably can't communicate because they're just on a whole nother plane of thinking. And so <laughs> the whole conversation would just not work. Uh-huh. But uh, that's how it goes. Uh, I have a friend who's a mathematician. Every conversation just ends up in weird tangential realms of like, what are we <laughs> even talking about? So, <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So I suppose we'll wrap it up there. Okay. Because um, why not? Um, so yeah. So this is <laughs> Mike's video game podcast episode seventeen. Sweet the 17. whoa, the whoa. Uh, episode. I'm Mike Guy. I'm Mike Wu. And uh, and thanks for listening. Hashtag deep. Hashtag deep. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>